right. Uh, so once again, um, uh, it's good. It's good to be with all of you, though virtually. I was really not looking forward to um, doing this sermon sitting here in the house, but uh, but it is what it is, and only God really knows what He's allowed this uh, truant virus to do in our midst. And uh, so till then, uh, I would request all of us to really take care. Getting into the message, uh, it's just been it's just been um, I think three weeks since uh, since the new year started, right? And um, and I'm sure all of us at the start of the year, or many of us at the start of the year, would have taken some resolutions. Uh, some of us might have taken resolutions to typically people do take resolutions to shed weight. Some people would have taken resolutions to put on weight, or some of us would have also taken some spiritual resolutions. Now I hope most of us or many of us have taken spiritual resolutions because it is so very important for us in our Christian life. Because when we come to the end of the year, when we come to December and when we take a look at our life, it shouldn't be a case that uh, God was faithful, but we were unfaithful, right? It shouldn't be a case. It, it shouldn't be a case that, um, that, uh, that when we look back, uh, we just have nothing to look back to we have nothing to say that we have we have we have done for god but it should be a case where at the end of the year when we look into our lives we should have been more into the image of jesus christ than we are right now because every passing year we should be more and more like jesus christ and as we are on this journey of sanctification there are a couple of things there are a couple of agents that god has given to us which work in our lives now, one of the first agents is the word of God. Now, we know that it's in the word of God, we understand the will of God. And it is in the word of God, we find, we find God's absolute and holy standards, which is a benchmark for us. Another agent which we have at our disposal is prayer. And it is through prayer that we, we pray and we beseech God and ask him for his grace for us to, to, to become more like Jesus Christ. And we pray for ourselves, we pray for others, we pray for the church as a whole so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Another agent that we have is the Holy Spirit, which convicts us and which convinces us, right? Um, it, 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 is what, it is what brings people to Christ and it is what helps people to become more like Jesus Christ. And the last agent is, is, uh, is what I want to uh, talk about today. And that is, and that is, the, uh, that is the church of God. It is the church which is a topic for today. And, um, and it is through the church that all of us live out our lives as Christians uh, in this world. Now, what is the church, right? Now, everybody has uh, different versions of, or different, different, me different meaning or understanding of what the church is. Now, if you ask a person in the world, he will give you the dictionary meaning of what the church is. He will say that church is a place where people go to. And that's what I remember in school, in our social studies, that's what we learned as well. Uh, Hindus go to mosque. Muslims go to, sorry, Hindus go to temple, Muslims go to mosque, Sikhs go to the Gurudwara, and Christians go to church. That's the typical explanation that, 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 that we have learned. Even amongst the evangelicals, there is oftentimes a confusion as to what the real church is. I can, I can speak for myself. Growing up in a, a Bible-believing home, in a Bible-believing church, we went to church on Sundays, we broke bread, we listened to God's messages, I got baptized in the church, I grew up in the church, but I don't think I really grasp in, in its entirety what the real church is. 
And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at look at church from a little high level. Now this is a topic which which is taught in uh, taught in seminaries on which books are on which books have been written. But I think in our church we have people who've been in the faith for long and we have some new people as well. So for the sake for everybody's benefit we will keep it a little practical and not get into too much of detail which is out there so what is the church right and as we move along um initially i want to talk about two ideas or two concepts of the church which we find in the scriptures and the first of it is found in hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 to 24 hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 to 24 now this is a portion which actually contrasts Mount Sinai with Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion here is not referring to the physical place in Jerusalem, but it is referring to it is it is used as a metaphor referring to the assembly of God's people. And here it says, in Hebrews twelve, it says, "But you have come to Mount Zion." Okay, this is right. This is this is being written to the believers, to the Jewish believers. It says, "You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem." you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly and it says to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven okay it says that you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly now this is speaking about a scene in heaven where we have come to 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 a place where there are angels in joyful assembly and then it says to the church of the firstborn the word church actually means a congregation or an assembly of the firstborn this is a group of people who are redeemed by the blood of christ and 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 whose names are written in heaven our names are written in the book of life so what is the church referring to here it is those who are born again and it is those whose names are written in heaven and then it further goes goes on the verse the, the, the portion continues it says that you have come to god so these are people who have now come to god these are the people who were once alienated from god but now they have come to god on mount zion and they have come to god who is the judge of all and as per this righteous judge's standards we were all destined for condemnation but now we have come to him as people who are made perfect and how are we made perfect we are made perfect because of jesus the mediator of a new covenant and it is because of his precious blood which was shed upon the cross for our sins so do you see what this what this idea of the church is the idea of the church is that we are a congregation of the redeemed whose names are written in heaven so this so this is one of the first ideas or the concepts that we see in the scriptures and this is called as the universal church and and all of us all of us living across the globe wherever we are in whichever country or continent that we are in you can be in the west you can be in the east you can be in the north you can be in the south but all those people who are redeemed of god are today part of the universal church so there is it is impossible for a christian to exist without being part of this church because as long as that person has put their faith and trust in christ that person is part of the universal church of god we now move to the next idea that we see and this is found through the um, you know right through the epistles now 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 i i've just picked out a couple of verses here in first corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2 where paul is beginning to give us introduction he says that paul called to be an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and a brother sosthenes 
He says, to the church of God in Corinth. So, so he's writing as to, uh, I mean, he's defining here who he's writing this to. He's saying to the church of God in Corinth. Now, now from this, we understand that he's writing to a specific church within a particular geographical area. He's writing to a church in a particular city, and that city is called Corinth. And, and, and when we read the book of Corinthians, we know of the several issues that Paul is trying to address. These are issues which are, in, which are currently existing in that particular local church. So this is speaking to a particular local church, a church like CBF, which exists in a city in Bangalore. And, and he's addressing some of the specific issues there. And we know that in Corinthians, he addresses several things. He addresses things which, are, which relate to morality. He addresses things which relate to spiritual gifts and, and, and so on. Now, when we come to First Thessalonians, he says, to the church of the Thessalonians. Now, he's writing again to a specific church in a specific city called Thessalonica. So this is a local church that he's talking about. Now, now, uh, now, uh, so, 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 you know, what is a local church? A local church is a church that exists across the world in cities. It can be in villages, it can be in towns, but they are smaller groups which exist to glorify God and for the for discipling of God's people. Now, in this um, in this picture, uh, you know, earlier we saw in the universal church, it, it consisted of people all, all all those who are redeemed of God. And here we find that each of those people are placed within local churches across denominations. As long as they believe in the gospel, they are all local churches, which are which 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 are which are um, which are present in different places to disciple the 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 children of God. So with this um, with this, uh, I hope that you get uh, you know these two these two these two concepts right. And in order to see how all of this plays out practically. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the certain pictures that we find of, of church in the scriptures. Now, these are pictures which, which illustrate what a church is and how it plays out um, in our life. So one of the first pictures that, uh, that we will look at today is found in John chapter 1 and verse 12 to 13. Now, here this verse says that yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, in some of the translations, uh, this is called as the family of God, right? To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, or we are born into the family of God. Now, now I just want to be very clear that here we are talking about a functional family. Now, now, because of what sin has done in this world, we know that uh, not all, all, all not, not every family is fully functional. Now, there are families which are dysfunctional. Now, Bible itself recognizes that because we know the story of Cain and Abel. We know the story of Jacob and Esau. But here we are looking at an ideal family as one that God wants this family to be. Okay. Now, now, if you look at uh, if you look at Ephesians chapter two and verse twenty nine, it says that today we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household or His family. Now, what is what is at the heart of family? What is the core essence uh, within a family? Right now, what is integral to family 
is love, right? There is really no family without love. It is love that is the basis on which a family operates. Now, without love, the family structure cannot function in the way God has meant it to be. And it is within a family that children are born. It is within a family that children are raised up. It is within a family that children are motivated to do and excel. It is within the family that children are disciplined. So you see how integral family is in the eyes of God. And church, and church is that family where God's people are born, where God's people are challenged to excel, and where God's people are even disciplined and motivated to grow more into the likeness and image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, now I want to look at uh, this, this particular verse as well, and this is one of my favorites. It says in, in John chapter 13, uh, I'll just come straight to verse 34. It says, Jesus said that a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Right? And where do you love one another? You love one another within the family. It is within the family of God that we, that we are loved and we show love to other people. Now, now this might seem so basic. This might seem um, like table stakes. But unfortunately, this is one area where Christians miserably fail. Now, I don't know what kind of churches you've been to. Uh, I don't know whether you have heard of several churches um, which are known to people that you know. But there are so many Christian churches which are today ridden by conflict. And they bring such a dishonor to the name of God because, because they just cannot stand each other. And here Jesus said his commandment is so clear. He said that love one another as I have loved you. Now, if you cannot love people in your family, how can you love anyone else? And, and what is the standard that Jesus is putting up here? He says, as I have loved you. Now, you don't love one another because you're expecting something in return from that person. You don't love one another because of anything good that you see in that person. But you love one another because he or she is part of your family. And Jesus loved you because, because he loved you unconditionally. He didn't love you because we could bring anything to him. And that is the standard that we have to love one another. And when we love one another in the family of God, what does that translate to? It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So when we love one another, and when people see that this is a group that really loves each other and that really stands for each other, you know, we are going to reflect the glory of God. And people outside will know that these people are my disciples. Oftentimes in this world, because of the conflict that we have between Christians, it brings such a dishonor to the name of God. And church, CBF, I just want all of us to remember, we might think that things are going right. But you know, that, um, that, that, that verse uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, when it comes to the story of Cain and Abel, it says that Satan is on the prowl, right? He's on the prowl. He's just looking for whom to devour. He's just looking for to unsettle people. He's just looking to bring in conflicts. And we must always be on the guard because in this church, in CBF, we are the family of God. And we should always treasure the love and fellowship and the warmth that we have. And we should never give space to Satan uh, to, to, to further his plans in this particular church. You know, in Matthew chapter uh, 22 and verse, um, oh, and, and this portion, it says, he says that the, what is the greatest command? And this is something which we all know. The greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So this speaks about the vertical relationship. And we need to love God with our entire being. But it just doesn't stop there. It says, and the second greatest one is to 
love your neighbor as yourself. So it's like a cross. It's the vertical relationship. And then we have the horizontal relationship. We love God with all our being. And then we love our neighbor as yourself. Now, how can you love your neighbor, right? Your neighbor includes the people within your church as well. You have to love people within your family before you start loving someone outside, right? And this is something which we must all be be careful to protect because in many churches, this is one area where people fail. And this is one area that Satan has succeeded in, 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 in driving his agenda. You know, in, um, in, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says that we must spur one another. Now, how can we spur one another if there is no love? How can we spur one another if there is no fellowship? So we break several commands if we fail on this particular one. So we as a church must ensure that we stand together to love one another and to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, verse 3, it says that we must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We must make every effort to keep the unity of the, of, of, of the Spirit. And as far as possible, we must learn to love one another, right? And, uh, and, um, and, uh, and, you know, CVF has been a great example of God's people coming together to stand up and support each other. Now, I don't know how many of you have noticed, but maybe when you've gone to another town or another city or even to another country, and when you meet another believer, have you experienced that, that suddenly there is so much more to talk about? There is so much more to to, to fellowship and there is, uh, you know, sometimes you're invited over a meal or over a coffee. And then we realize that with, with people who were totally unknown to us, that because of the relationship that we have in Christ, we are able to have a conversation and we are able to fellowship. And that is something so incredible. And that is something which is so unique to us as the family of God. I don't know whether you've heard about these two gentlemen called John Nicholson and Samuel Hill. Uh, if none of us know, I think uh, Jeffrey would know for sure. These are the two founders of the Gideon Ministry, two businessmen who happened to be in a hotel in one room, and they began to talk to each other, and they realized that they are from the family of God, and, and they developed a bond of brotherhood, and that gave birth eventually to a ministry called Gideon's, which is impacting the world. You know, the, we have so many instances of how God's people come together to help one another in times of need. And that's because of the love which we have in the family of God. You know, when, um, um, when I was, uh, when I was uh, you know, working in Bangalore before my marriage, I had a roommate called Shiju Thomas. Uh, some of you know him. Shiju was an orphan boy. Uh, Shiju lost his dad when he was, uh, when I think he was in fourth standard. And I think by the time he was in eighth standard, he lost his mom. She was a nurse in, a, in the ICU and she contracted an infection and, he, and she lost his mom. So Shiju was an orphan and he had a younger brother as well. And they both were orphans. And, and, and Shiju was a year junior to me in my school in Trivandrum. And he came from a mainstream church. Um, and, uh, and, you know, during holidays and vacations, he had no home to go to because, because he was orphaned. And eventually later, when he was in his uh, college, um, he actually comes to know the Lord and he gets to be part of uh, our fellowship. And then Shiju always talks about how the family of God came together to be a father to him, to be a mother, to be a brother. And several people from several churches were there 
to help him and they even helped him um, uh, all the way right up till his wedding and he is always grateful for how the family of god came together incidentally last weekend we were in bombay and i happened to have breakfast with him and we were again recounting all the good things that the lord has done in his life it's a very practical example of how the family of god came together to help someone who was in distress or who was in need now we know that during the last covid wave and even during this covid wave we know that several people within this church have been liberal with the way they have taken care of one another be it in providing food or be it in taking care of several things the church has stood together and why is that because we are the family of god so so i hope this picture this picture uh, is clear to you that um, that we as a church we are not just a group of people but we are like a family and we are the family of god so we now quickly move to the next picture that uh, that we need to learn and this is a picture on which we will dwell a bit and this is found in first corinthians and chapter 12 now a couple of weeks back uh, maybe maybe two or three months back uh, as part of a second study ravent had taken a session on the spiritual gifts now this is a portion uh, which builds on that so we don't have the time to go into spiritual gifts i hope that bit was clear to each of us and if someone if if any of us is 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 not very clear i would encourage you to go back and listen to those recordings and he spoke about a couple of things from the scripture and what he said is all of us all of us as believers we are blessed with at least one gift if not more and each of us it is it is our duty to ensure that these gifts are deployed within the church for the benefit of the church as a whole okay now this is a portion after talking about the spiritual gifts this is the portion in that chapter which uh, which we're going to discuss today and here this is what it says it says just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with christ so what is this picture that god is painting here and the picture is church as the body of christ so church is the body of christ and it here it says that christ is the head and we are his body right christ is the head and we are his body now this speaks about a lot of uh, interesting things here it says that that it says for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether jews or gentiles slave or free and we are all given the one spirit to drink so what is common in us what is common in us is the fact that we have christ as our head and we have his spirit which dwells in us from the time we came to a relationship with him now it says that it doesn't matter whether you're jew or gentile in our context it doesn't matter whether you're from the south or from the north or from the east or from the west or what language you speak or what religious background you came from because we are because we are in the family of god what we have in us is that one spirit all the walls of separation are broken in the body of christ you know that is something which is which is which is which is so incredible and then and then this portion continues it says even so the body is not made up of one part but of many now that's very interesting right there is no body which does not have different organs or which does not have different members now the body cannot be all legs the body cannot be all hands the body cannot be all face right it needs to have its different members to become a body and it is so essential that each of us each of us who are members of this church each of us are necessary to form the body of christ that we are part of 
today. It's a very simple truth. It's a brilliant picture. And I think this particular picture is really so practical and helps us to understand how the church contributes to us and how we contribute back to the church. Now, now moving on, um, you know, in verse 15, it says, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Can the foot even think that the foot can continue to operate in isolation and not be part of the body? Can the foot feel bad that, you know, the foot can think that, you know, I'm always buried in the shoes and no one sees me, whereas the hand is visible. So can the foot why with attention for the hand? Of course, no, of course not, right? The foot does its job, the hand does its job, and, and, and they are all contributing to the effective functioning of the body. And every person, every person is like a member which a member of the body which has a defined role. And then it further says in verse 16, it says that if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Now, the ear can feel bad and say that, oh, man, I'm, I'm pushed to the sides and I'm not at the front because when people see someone's face, they first see the eyes and not the ears. But whether you're the eye or whether you're the ear, everybody is critical and is integral to the functioning of the body. And I want all of us within CBF to know this, right? In the eyes of God, whoever you are, whatever gift that you have, each of us you know, we are valuable, we are indispensable, and we are so critical to the functioning of the body of Christ. And we must value our place in the body of Christ, or we must value our place within the local church. Okay, so we move on. We move on with the rest of the portion. And, 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 and verse 17, it says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? So do you understand? We have been given certain gifts, and, and, and if everybody is given that one particular gift, the body just cannot function optimally. And if the whole body were in here, where would the sense of smell be, right? So we should be content with the position that God has given to us in the body of Christ. And then it says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, right? Sometimes we are upset with the gifts that has been given to us. Maybe some of us have visible gifts. Some of us have gifts which are not so visible. And we must be feeling bad about why. Why is it that that particular gift is not being given to me? But, you know, who has given these gifts? What we should understand is each person's position or each person's gift is decided by God in his sovereignty. And if God has decided that this is the gift that you need to have or this is this is, this is the part of the body that you are to be. Who are we to question that, right? God will not hold us accountable for a gift that we don't have. God will hold us accountable for the gift that we have, and he will hold us accountable to see how that is being used in the body of Christ. And verse 19 says that if they were all one part, where would the body be, right? It is again speaking of the fact that each body part complements one another. All of us in this church, look at CBF as a whole. We are, we are, we are, I think over 250 people. Each of us have a role to play within this church. And when we all play a role, we would complement each other, just like a marriage relationship, right? Husband has a role, wife has a role, and they complement each other. And that is how a home is built. And similarly, within the church, each of us, the different role that has been assigned to us, the gifts that have been assigned to us, we deploy it for the benefit of the church. And that is 
what brings glory and honor to the name of god and then this portion continues it says the eye cannot say to the hand i don't need you and the and the and the, and the head cannot say to the feet i don't need i don't need you which essentially says that no member nobody in this church can be done away with if the body were to function optimally just just, just look at this right can can a person live or survive without a leg can the body survive without a leg it can it can but will it function optimally it won't the one leg will have to take that extra load because the body does not have the other hand or if it's a hand and if you have only one hand and if the other hand is a prosthetic hand you know it is one hand which takes that extra load but god what what god wants us to do is each of us do the part that we are called to do so that the body continues to function the body of christ continues to function and shine for jesus just like what um, uh, just like how he wants it to be and then the last verse says and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty now there are parts of the body which cannot be presented but we cover that we cover them up so that so that it benefits them and it benefits the body as a whole which which is able to present itself but let's remember that just because we may not have visibility as some others does not mean that we are not important in the scheme of uh, god's things all of us are valuable and all of us are integral to the functioning of the body of christ now because of lack of time we we are moving fast and then verse 24 it says that while our presentable presentable parts need no special treatment but god has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it now he's provided covering so that um, so that uh, so that the parts which require honor are given that honor and that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other so this speaks about the fact that how again it comes to the fact that we all complement one another and church uh, as 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 you know i i would really encourage you to read this portion because this is a fascinating portion because and this is a portion which tells us that uh, you know each of us are valuable in the body of christ and sometimes you might think that you know what is it that i have to contribute in this church but the fact is you have you have everything that god has given you to contribute you are not to benchmark yourself with other people in this church you are to look at what your gift is and you have to deploy that within the church so that the body of christ is um, is uh, is benefited and you know in that last uh, the last verse which is verse 26 here it says that if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it you know the principle is all for one and one for all and that is how the body operates you know if i have a leg pain today uh, i cannot say that you know the leg will take care of itself it affects my whole body right or if i have a headache it affects my whole body and that is how it is every member who hurts the entire church hurts and if one person does not contribute adequately the whole body of christ um is impacted so i would really encourage uh, all of us to really consider or to really uh, find out for yourself what your gifting is and 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 try to understand that and contribute to the benefit of this uh, of this church because in that is way because because that is the way in which you are going to honor god you know cbf uh, like i said cbf is is often times a great example of uh, some of these principles and i'm not saying this because this is just our church 
but by but 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 it is just to give glory and honor to god you know when um, i think it was about maybe 19 or 20 years ago that god used a first generation believer uh to come out of another church and he had this idea of starting a church in the city for the unchurched he had this idea of uh, of starting a church in the city for people who may not typically be comfortable going to a regular mainstream church and when he stepped out he didn't have too many people uh, who joined him there were just one or two senior people who came with him and then there was this bunch of i would call it the motley crew bunch of young guys uh, who followed him into into the church um now now these people you know these people were not really very mature at that point of time but possibly what held them together was a genuine love for christ and i think an aversion towards unwanted orthodoxy that they saw in their uh, their parent churches now as this group came together and as the church was formed initially there was a lot of instability uh, which was there there were a lot of people coming there were a lot of people going there was there was a lot of instability there was the teaching was not always up to the mark um there were several people who over a period of time even decided to walk off thinking that this place has no hope and there was a point of time when 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 people would say that this is a church to avoid but through it all you know through it all there was a group which which not only prayed for this church there was a group which continuously contributed to this church not really knowing the future but they contributed in whatever way they thought um they could contribute you know cbf's legendary doors of hospitality were open to to those who left homes and who needed encouragement and who needed instruction from the scriptures so instruction was not just given from the pulpit but it was given in the homes of people along with i would think a hot meal there were people who showed mercy on those who needed them you know when they were in distress or during trials or during sickness there were people who uh, you know we have to keep ourselves accountable to our authorities and there are people here especially sisters who burned the midnight oil to ensure that we remain accountable to our authorities and and whatever process that we have to adhere to are are um, are adhered to there are people here who stood against the pressures of our culture and stood for the right preaching and teaching of the scriptures there are people who lent shoulders for others to cry on and these are and if you look at it these are all people who with whom we really don't have a relation but we have a relationship in Christ and like we said earlier you know this is the body of Christ and this is the family of Christ there are people here who've became who've become brothers and sisters and even mothers to people you know i can just go on and on and on but but the church that you see today as cbf um it was not always like this we had a very painful early part of the journey but god was with us all through and there are people in this church who contributed you know there were uh, and 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 in many ways this church was 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 breaking new paths but thanks be to god that today we are in a certain place 
And we should always ensure that, that, that we are careful that we do not allow Satan to, to, to drive a wedge in this place. And we further build on this. And as we are praying and thinking about new church plans, we should pray for God's strength upon each of us. So church, before we move from this particular section, what I want to remind you is the fact that we are all different members in the body of Christ. And you know, the, 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 the parable of the talents, you know, on the judgment day, God is not going to ask you, did you go to Africa as a missionary or did you go to North India as a missionary? If he has called you for it, he will ask you. But what he will certainly hold you accountable is, what are you doing with the gifting with the spiritual gift that he has given to you, because that is to be deployed in the body of Christ. And that is in the revealed will of God. And that is something which all of us will have to give an account to God for. So let's find out what a gift is and let's use it for the benefit of the body of Christ. Okay, so we move on now. We move on to the third picture. Now, there are more pictures, but we are just looking at three pictures here today. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2 says that I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Now, what does this portion speak about? Now, Paul is saying, and as he's writing to the Corinthians, he's saying that Christ is the husband and he's hoping to present them to God in all purity, just like and it is compared to how a virgin presents herself pure to her husband on the wedding day. And the picture that we are looking at here is church as the bride of Christ. Now, this is a very beautiful picture it's a very tender picture it is it is it is talking about christ as as the groom of the church now why do we why is it mentioned this way and for us to understand this well we need to understand a bit about the jewish wedding the jewish wedding took place in three phases phase one was engagement similar to the engagement that we have where where the girl's parents and the boy's parents get into an agreement and they decide to give their kids off to one another now, the second phase, the second phase is where they actually exchange their vows and they and they decide to live out the rest of their lives together. But the difference then with our weddings and with their weddings is after the second phase, after they exchange vows, they don't really begin to live with each other immediately. They the boy goes back to his place and he, you know, does extra jobs, he builds a better room for them, uh, he makes some extra income. And then after about a year, he comes back and then he goes with the girl to his home in the grand procession. Now, this is the context in which we should also uh, read the parable of the 10, the 10 bridesmaids. So here, now, what, what, what this picture actually, for us to understand this picture, we need to understand this context. And right now, right now, Christ is a groom, but he's not with us physically, right? He's in, he's in heaven. And we are his bride and we are briefly separated from him physically at this point in time. And it is speaking about time when we will join our groom, which is Jesus Christ in, 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 you know, in the time to come. And here it speaks about we as a church being the bride of Christ. Let's look at the next version, uh, next verse. You know, this is, this is in Ephesians chapter five, and this is often spoken about in our, uh, in our weddings and, um, and, um, and it speaks about, you know, there are several instructions that are given to the husband and to the wife. And the husband is asked to do things for his wife and love her unconditionally, to love her, cherish her, and, and, and nurture her because that is exactly what Christ has done for his church. 
and the husband is also reminded that 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 Christ gave up his life for the church and therefore the husband is 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 asked to do and love his wife just like how Christ loved his church you know and then and then as that uh, portion in Ephesians I'm just running a little fast here because I know uh, we are we are crossing time uh, it says that this is a profound mystery and it says that I'm talking about Christ and the church because this is not something which the Old Testament people knew and this is something which is now being revealed in the scripture which is the whole mystery of the church and the church is the bride of Christ, right? It is so beautiful, right? The church being called as the bride of Christ because one day we are going to be joining our groom, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, um, you know, at the, at the, at the, at the end, of the uh, end of the ages. And, um, you know, when we come to the book of Revelation in chapter 19, you know, there is this portion which speaks about the, the marriage of the Lamb, and in verse 7, it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean was given her to wear. You know, we recently had a couple of weddings um, in, in, in CBF itself. And, uh, and we know how grand the wedding day is. And, you know, on this wedding day, which is going to happen in the heavens, you know, it speaks about how the church, the bride is getting herself ready with fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. And she is going to be joined with her groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and how must we as a bride, how must we, how must we wait uh, as we prepare to join our groom in the heavens? You know, we must wait with all purity, right? Now, during the time that his physical presence is not with us, you know, we don't, uh, we don't roam around and do things which dishonor him. But, but we remain faithful to him. You know, in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3 and verse 20, he accuses Israel. Whenever Israel left God and went behind other idols, he calls that adultery. And he says that you have been like a faithless wife who has left her husband. That's what it says in Jeremiah, chapter 3. In Isaiah, chapter 50, 57, it says that you have committed adultery on every high mountain. So we should not engage in spiritual adultery. We may not engage in physical adultery, but we can have the tendency to engage in spiritual adultery. And that is something which we must guard ourselves against. And right now we are temporarily separated, but the wedding, of, the wedding or the marriage of the Lamb is going to take place. And till we meet Christ Jesus, our Lord, let us remain holy, and let us remain pure in the eyes of God. So church, in the last 45 minutes, what have we discussed, right? We spoke about a couple of things. Who is, who is the church? You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. Every blood-bought child of God, irrespective of where he or she is in the world, we are part of God's universal church. At the same time, we also saw that there is something called as the local church, a church like CBF a church like in Corinth, a church like in Thessalonica. And it is within this church that each of us are members of. And it is within this church that we are discipled. It is within this church that we are instructed in the ways of the Lord. It is within this church that we are motivated, encouraged. And it is within the church that we are sometimes disciplined as well. Because church is a family. We also saw that each of us are like different members of 
the body of Christ. And each of us have, we have a specific role to play and each of us need to play that specific role. We cannot compare our role with that of the other. Just like how a human body part cannot compare itself with that of the other. Imagine, imagine, imagine the heart uh, thinking that, you know, everybody else gets rest when they sleep, but I don't get, get rest and the heart decides to just take a break for five minutes. Doesn't work, just doesn't work. So each member has a unique role within the body of Christ to play. And I would really encourage you to understand what your gift is and to deploy that within the body of Christ so that the body of Christ, we as a church, all of us will grow. And each of us, each of us, we are indispensable in the eyes of God. We are valuable. And, and, uh, and he, just didn't, he just didn't redeem us to somehow get us to heaven, but he redeemed us so that we are part of his church and we can contribute to the church. And we should, and we should always remember that one day we will have to give an account of what we have done with our gifts to God. And then finally, we saw that church is the bride of Christ. One day we are going to be joined with our groom. And on, until we reach that glorious day, we have to keep ourselves holy and pure, just like how a virgin keeps herself holy and pure until her wedding day for her husband, right? And we have to ensure that, 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 uh, that we, eagerly, we eagerly await the joining together uh, with her husband and, um, and, um, and we keep ourselves um, holy uh, till that, uh, till that um, glorious day. Now, as we move forward, um, I just want to ask you guys this question. You know, I, I want to show you two pictures here and to what can you compare the church of God with? You know, the first picture is a cruise liner. It's those on board include crew and passengers. Now, if you've, if you've read about a cruise liner or a luxury liner, they have a lot of stuff and they have a lot more passengers who are constantly being indulged in. They are being served to. What is this? This is, this, is, um, this is a warship. And in a warship, there are no passengers. There's everybody there who has a role to do for the effective functioning of that ship as it goes to battle, right? What is the church? What, to what can you compare the church of God with? The church of God is obviously like the warship, right? There are no free passengers. There's nobody who is only getting served. There are people who have to serve and who have a work and who have a mission to do. And that is how a ship becomes battle ready. And that is how a church becomes a real church in this world, right? Let us not have this mentality of a cruise liner where we are only being served and where we don't serve. And that is, I would, I would say that that is sinful because that is against the plan of God. In God's plan, we are supposed to serve the church. And all of us, all of us have a role to play. So it is for us to think about, you know, how we are serving the church. And, um, and uh, if you need to know more about this, if you need to understand how you can serve the church of God better, please come and talk to one of the elders and we will be more than happy to 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 sit with you and to talk with you um, you know one of my favorite uh, quotes is this quote of ct stud uh, in this beautiful poem that he's written and there's this line which says that only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last now now most of us might not have been called to go into a mission field elsewhere but you know it is in the scriptures it is in the revealed will of god that all of us what we are called is to serve the church of god and let us not be 
casual about that, right? We must be active participants in the body of Christ because finally only what's done for Christ will last. I really, um, I really hope that uh, this, uh, this, uh, this message helped you understand a little bit about uh, you know, God's church and how we can contribute to the church of God and how we can benefit from the church of God itself. Uh, may his name be glorified. Uh, I will pray and close, and, but right now we'll uh, pray and close. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We want to thank you for helping us to come together. Lord, even through this uh, difficult times, even as we are all um, just joining virtually. But Father, we want to thank you for this technology which helps us to fellowship and, and to learn from your scriptures and to, and to exhort and to worship you, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for your church, Lord. And we know that the church is precious to you because it is one which has been bought and purchased with the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to thank you for placing us in this body of yours. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, because, because, because we are precious in your sight. And we want to thank you, Lord, because each of us, we have a role to play, Lord. Lord, none of us are second grade citizens within the church, but each of us is valuable, Lord. Each of us, we have a role to play. And each of us is treasured, Lord. And uh, Lord, we pray that each of us would be strengthened and motivated to contribute to the functioning of this local church so that we as a body, we function optimally, Lord, and we become salt and light that you want us to be in the city of Bangalore. Father, we really thank you, Lord, for this time. And we commit the rest of our meeting into your hands, Lord. Uh, in Jesus Christ's most holy name, we ask and pray.